0: Hi. On today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, I'll be joined by my friend Peter Blum. Peter is a hypnotist like me. He's also a sound healer. He's just got this amazing ability to use music in a form of healing. That's quite remarkable. He is a comedian, he's a jester, he's an ordained minister, he's all sorts of things. And he's also a fascinating, 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 deep person that you're going to enjoy a great deal. So with no further ado, Let's get started. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax. or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Hey, Peter. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Now, you and I are are talking from not too very far away from each other. You are in Woodstock, New York. Is that correct? Yes. And I'm not far from there. And we met for the first time i can't believe this because we have so much in common after we talked for a while it's like you know them i know them you know it's like we have so much in common we met this weekend in woodstock teaching a workshop together <laughs> like
1: i've known you for a really long time
0: though. i know it's amazing right? yeah yeah so i asked you to be on this podcast today because i wanted you know i want other people to know you too it's we have so much in common and there's it's it's deep stuff I'm skeptical often of people with the claims that they make because you can get certified in a weekend of hypnosis or whatever. But you've been around longer than, well, at least as long as I have doing this stuff. So could you just give us a little um, background, a little uh, taste of who you are and where does this all come from?
1: Uh, A short bio. Yeah. Uh, Grew up in New York City, uh, was a, a survivor of the 60s. I did it full tilt, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and uh, moved to Woodstock in 1969 and did uh, a variety of things. Um, I was exploring life. I had dropped out of college because I wanted to learn, and I I wasn't really, it wasn't the best environment for me, but I am an autodidact, and I read voraciously, and I worked in a uh, In in the first year or two that I was living in Woodstock, I worked in a metaphysical, or we called it an occult bookstore. I managed and eventually was a co-owner of that. So that was a lot of my education. Uh, I was very curious about Eastern and Western mystery traditions and, you know, read voraciously, tried to find people that uh, could teach me about yoga, meditation, tarot, astrology various oracular devices, uh, et cetera, et cetera, things like that, um, got married, started raising children, decided I needed to get a real job, <laughs> um, and worked as a journalist for a number of years, uh, writer, editor, um, local newspaper here, the Woodstock Times, from 73 to 78, I had the uh, I self-titled uh, position of guru reviewer. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of them coming through at that time. Oh, all, they
0: still are streaming through, apparently. All,
1: all the the men and women from the east at that point. There were a big big stream of, of arrivals from India and Ceylon and
2: uh-huh.
1: and and teachers of of yoga meditation from different lineages. And um, you know, I had the. Uh, Hubris to think that I could go and, and write a critique of you know these different Swami Satchidananda or Baba Ramdas. But love those guys. Yeah. Well, I was following my curiosity. These were the yeah. things I was curious about. Um, um, I had taken a lot of psychedelics, and uh, then I stopped at a certain point And I I was very influenced by Baba Ramdas's book *Be Here Now*, mm. where he talked about his experience with Richard Alpert at, at Harvard and and all the uh, experiments they did on their own consciousness with psychedelics, and then finally going to India because he'd heard there were people there who could achieve those same states without the pill. Yes, which is coincidentally sort of what brought us together this past no, weekend.
0: Right? Yeah if I might, I might I might interrupt for a moment, that's exactly what brought us together this weekend. Uh, I remember you telling that part of the story this weekend is that uh, Bob Ramdas's guru, the fellow in India, no, um, I'm, I'm sorry, Ramdas's guru person in India, you know, took over sort of Ram Ramdas, for those of you don't know, is also known as uh, was that Richard Alpert?
1: Richard Alpert, Dr. Richard Alpert. From yeah.
0: Harvard, who who yeah. was with Timothy Leary, part of the tune-in, turn-on and drop-out school yeah, yeah. of getting out of school. Um, but he was very famous for that. So he brought out LSD, which was pretty new on the scene, really, in a sense, at that time, to Indian his guru person just like took all of it <laughs> and was fine yeah, because yeah. he was able to get to the States. This did nothing.
1: Yeah. I mean, teased teased Ramdas a little bit by pretending that it was making him crazy. And then he sort of winked and he said, no, you know, yogis have known about this medicine for a long time and it's good to take in a cool place occasionally. Uh, mm. But this always stuck with me. He said, it lets you visit Jesus, but you can't stay.
0: You can't stay. Yeah, you can visit, but you can't stay. So in order to stay, you need to do something more of the meditations. These, are yeah,
1: you need to find other ways uh, that, that can can. And we make this. I I have a teacher. I've I've been so fortunate. I've had some wonderful, wonderful, uh, wise beings that have, I've come across who I've been able to hang out with. And, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them, who I I talked about this past weekend, Joseph Real, beautiful painted arrow. Is a Picaris pueblo mystic and visionary and artist and writer and you know painter and and uh he 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 i i would say he lives where i get to visit
2: occasionally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, his consciousness I, I, and and to model people we talk about that a lot in our field right to model
0: yes
1: and yes. find someone who embodies excellence in anything and just do whatever you can to be around them and study them and imitate them and follow them. And, and uh, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's difficult because it can, it can be challenging because my own personal history and background is very different from his. He grew up traditionally on a reservation. Mm-hmm. You know, training early on in childhood by his grandparents to be a visionary and a mystic.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, while, while I was watching The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Or, or you know. Yeah. So so anyway, but yes. um And Doug listen for a second. So coming back to my my own history, that I was doing that. I moved to Holland for three years. I lived in Amsterdam from seventy eight to eighty one. Brought my family there. Wanted to live outside of the country for a while in a different culture, which was a very good good experience. Came back went back to work for the newspaper, this time I'm in the position of an editor. Um, but I, I used to tell people, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. You know, I was 36, 37, 38. I did what I knew how to do. I was good with words. I worked in publishing, I worked in a bookstore, I worked as a journalist, as a writer and editor. But, you know, I, my real interest was consciousness. My real fascination was, you know, what is this thing—mind and spirit and consciousness—and mm-hmm. so uh, I was doing a series of interviews, uh, following again my passion um, uh, for the newspaper on alternative forms of healing.
0: Was this related to the the, the criticism of um... the guru
1: was doing, No, this was another extension where I was actually doing person uh, profiles of healers. Okay. To introduce our, our readers to in 84, people didn't know that much about acupuncture, they didn't know what shiatsu was, mm-hmm. they didn't know about rolfing. A lot of these are body centered therapies, and I was interviewing people who did these
0: things and writing about it. And You also got to experience them too, did that you? That
1: was one of the perks of the job is that I got to, you know, get rolfed and chiropracted and, and um, acupunctured. And then my friend, Richard Zarrow, whom I had been in sweat lodges and had various experiences with in the 70s, who had been gone in California, came back and he contacted me and he said, I think you should include me in this series. I'm doing Ericksonian hypnosis and neurolinguistic linguistic program. And I had bad. no idea what he was talking I'm about, <laughs> whatever, you know, I didn't really know what Rolfing was either. Or before. Right it you know so so I, I i went and i spent a few times and i, I know you've seen my book and i wrote about this mm-hmm. section in in my book uh well you know yeah thank you <laughs> and now a quick word for yes.
0: <laughs> most people when they listen to this podcast don't see the pictures but i'm holding up oh, as okay. good, yeah,
1: thank you oh. so so richard uh was fascinating and i got again to experience, as part of my research, um, his what he was doing. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting because he was a great believer in self-hypnosis. And he used to say, you know, really, all hypnosis on some level is self-hypnosis. Sure.
0: He wasn't the first person to say that, but no. yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so in order to prove his point, after, you know, talking to me about Erickson and and Grinder and Bandler and NLP and so on. He had been out in California studying with John Grinder. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And uh, he he brought me into his obsession room, and he had one of these chairs. It was the Panasonic getaway chair. It did everything but, you know, what? (laughs) You sat back in it. It reclined. It rollers went up and down the acupuncture meridians of your spine. Mm -hmm. Cap vibrated. You, you know, the, there were um speakers that came around. That's speakers
0: too. So it was beyond a massage chair. it's just
1: that he put uh, because we were using cassette tapes. He put a, uh, yeah. a HPP hypnoperipheral process. Oh, those are great. Yeah, induction induction tape. Couple yeah. inductions. Yeah, okay right? Then he put an early version of the alpha theta brainwave machines on me with blinking,
0: <laughs> blinking you know,
1: lights and lights and pulse sounds, yeah. and yeah. then. And then he left the room and he was gone for, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes till the tape was over. And he came back in and I felt like Woody Allen coming out of the Orgasmatron, you know, in that movie. I was like, whoa, dude, that was fabulous. Um, But I said, first of all, it's kind of familiar. I mean, it's not all that different. That's hypnosis. I kind of recognize that. Still.
0: Yeah, I've been there before, yeah.
1: He said, yeah, it's on the spectrum of consciousness. You've explored a few of those bandwidths. <laughs> and I said, and secondly, you didn't do anything. He said, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, you know, I was like, okay, I, I kind of get it, right? Um. So then... I went back and I wrote the article. I mean, there was more to this story, but I don't want to spend too much time with it. I mm-hmm. I put it to the test. And, and, you know, I went back and I said, what would I use it for? Yeah. It
0: so, let me let me see if I can just uh, actually interrupt you again. Sure. You know, the, the point of this podcast for a lot of our listeners is what are they going to use? How right. are they going to use this stuff? So now that you got to the point where you were asking yourself how you could use it, Yes. how could that... What can we take away from this? How 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 is it used? I said, what could I use it for? He said, anything you want.
1: Huh. I said, uh-huh. Well, can I, I'm an avid tennis player. And I understood. I got that this was a set of tools and approaches that were not only therapeutic in, in terms of, like, I have a friend who's a therapist whose motto is you don't have to be sick to get better. Mm-hmm. Right? So... Yeah. So th- this was, a, you know, you could use this for performance enhancement right. as well as getting rid of a, a troublesome, you know, wart or phobia or whatever.
0: So, so tell us about that. You, you you said, let's use it for tennis. Yeah,
1: I'm an avid tennis player. OK. And uh, and I've been playing all my life and and he did something, you know, it's like the Monty Python. And now something completely different. Hmm. He didn't use the chair or the goggles or anything. He did something where I was standing up, and he had me stepping in and, in and out of a circle and hmm. anchoring a state of excellence.
0: So the circle of excellence.
1: The circle of excellence. And uh-huh. he applied it specifically to tennis. Think of a time when you hit a great shot. Think of a time when you you know, were moving effortlessly. Think of a time when you were just playing out of your mind. Think of a time, you know, anchor, anchor, anchor. And then he explained to me, now we have installed a button. A what? A button. We a have button. a okay. button that you can push, <clears throat> and uh, kind of like we all sort of wander in and out of s- different states all the time. Mm-hmm. And it seems kind of haphazard. Like I woke up on the wrong side of the bed today. Wham, wham, wham. Right. Too bad. I guess I'm. I this day is going to be a waste. Or. Man, I'm having a fabulous day. I don't know what I did, but everything is falling into place. It's, it, you know. So he said, "Here's a secret. There are ways where you can change your state at will." I said, "Wow, okay." So I went out and I played somebody that I had been playing pretty regularly, and kept thinking I should be able to beat this person. And every time, you know, I, I'd lose. And then it, after a while, became like a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> Thinking before I even got on the court, I, I, I should be able to beat him, but I'm not going to be able to. I went and it, it's, I felt like the bionic man, like where that TV show where everything would be like k- k- frame by frame. I'd see I ball coming as big yeah. as a bowling ball. I had all the time in the world. I'm like, okay, so this must be what they call that flow state, right? Mm-hmm. right? Um, and I beat him easily.
0: That's so cool.
1: It was very cool. And then and then because I'm a little bit of a doubting Thomas, I thought maybe that was just an accident.
0: Maybe it was just an accident.
1: Maybe it was just a fluke. And this was a ladder where you could challenge somebody above you. Uh-huh. Spots above you. Uh and and that's what I had done. So he had the uh right to re-challenge me. So we played again like 3 days later and I again beat him easily. And he said, my, you're playing very consistently. And I said, thank you. And I I had a realization. I had one of those aha moments, which was that in the past, when I would lose a point, I wouldn't just lose one point. I would often lose two or three because I would be replaying in my mind what I had done wrong or how I could have done it differently. Here, I was totally in that moment, in the now. I All might right. lose a point, I might miss a shot, but I wasn't dwelling on that. Yeah, yeah. That's huge as you know in any yeah. area. In right? anything. Yes, absolutely. Right. So I walked marched back into his office and I said, "I'm a believer. Okay, this stuff works." And I wrote the article and then about a year later I was struggling with, you know, uh, you know the frog in the that metaphor where they throw a frog in boiling water. They oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was in a pan of water that had been slowly heated up, and I was, I was boiling to death. I, I used just, to,
0: just real quick. Let's just run through that metaphor just really quickly. So,
1: uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's oh, a good,
0: totally true. Just go with it.
1: That if you put a frog in the pan of water. If you throw it into a boiling pot, pan of water, it will jump right out.
0: Jump right out again.
1: If you put it in a pan of water that's room temperature and slowly heat it up, the frog will never leave. It will boil to death. Right. So I used to tell people, I think I have a leaving disorder. <laughs> Whether it's a job or a relationship, I couldn't leave. I couldn't extricate myself. Mm-hmm. I always it was always a part of me that's like, oh, it will take a lot of effort. and Maybe it'll just get better if I just hang in there and kind of martyr myself for a while. You know that. Yeah. So I broke that pattern and and uh, I I said, you know, time for change. But I don't know what to do. And I was talking to Richard. This was like a year after I had written the article because we were friends. And he said, why don't you do what I do? Um, I think you'd be good at it. And I'll train you in it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I said, Sounds like the proverbial offer I can't refuse. You know, this uh-huh. is great. And he said, And my business is going so well that as soon as you're ready, I'll start funneling clients. You can work in my office as my associate. I said, uh-huh. get any better. He said, Yes. And while you're training for a year, I need someone to manage the office. I will pay you to be my office manager while uh-huh. you're training. With me. No. This guy did what we, my people call a mitzvah. A mitzvah, certainly. He gave me a solid. Yeah. we will always be grateful to him for Thanks. that. So that, that started me out. That was 85, 86, 87. He said, I've trained you uh, in my way. You don't know half of what you've learned because you just sort of here every day and you're osmosizing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm. he said, but I think you should go and experience how they're doing it out there. And so I went down to the JFK to the airport.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and, and uh, which was at that point, I think I, Idlewild. Right. And um I don't know what was down. Anyway, I went down there and uh Stephen Leve- Lavelle. Lavelle, yeah. He was giving a hundred people in a room.
0: With his wife Jill, I think, at with the time. Jillian,
1: yes. Yeah. And they were doing a training that Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am, and you're yeah. certified.
0: You know, I'm not sure, but I I did that same thing, but it was near the Laguardia Airport, I think. Airport. Maybe, I'm not, not sure. It's the same training or a different day or different. different year.
1: With, with with Stephen Lavelle.
0: Yeah, the same exact thing, and yeah. you got a book with a different page of the blue page and the red page, Probably.
1: and and Elsie was there helping him out.
0: Yep, but, and they had that uh, that spinning okay. little,
1: little handheld. Yeah. Little handheld ones that they gave everybody.
2: Right.
1: And, uh, you know, (laughs) it was so cliched. Uh You know, you'd have somebody look at this thing, and I know now it's an optical. Yeah, optical illusion. A a, a compensation Mm. after you look at something spinning in for a long time. And then you say, now quickly look at my hand or my face. And the eye compensates, and it looks like the person's face is expanding. And in that moment, which we call a shock or you know confusion induction, yeah. in that moment they you say close your eyes and go into trance.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. So that's you know that that was how that training went. And and yeah. uh,
0: And and interesting. If I may stop you there, um, I've often referred to that training because when you exited the building, you got a certificate. They handed you.
1: Yes, I have registered. a mine. It says I'm an RH. That's what they were calling it. Better. Registered hypnotherapist. Registered yeah. hypnotist. But there were some good things. One There were some
0: the, good things. Some things I still use. One
1: of the things that I remember was saying, there are, we've paired off. So there are 50 pairs of people all talking at the same time. Some of them two, three feet on either side of you. And someone said, well, this is crazy. How can... How can I, you know, do this? There's too much else going on here. And they said, if you can do it here, you can do it anywhere. And that came in very handy. handy. later. I I had a client who I had to go, I did a uh, visit in the hospital. And I was asked by her daughter to come in and work with her. And uh, there were, she was not in a private room. There was somebody else in the next bed who was moaning and groaning. Mm -hmm. -hmm. I mean, somebody else who was having their bedpan changed by the orderlies and a lot of clanking around. And, you know, it's, I was like, oh, I remember now. If I could do it there, I can do it anywhere. Right. Right. And I said to her, tunnel vision. (laughs) (laughs) All you can see is my eyes. All you can hear is my voice.
0: Yeah. Now, by the way, I used similar things. I worked in the hospital for a while. So I would be using hypnosis for patients in. In the emergency room, not the emergency room. Sorry, the uh, I see you. intensive care. Yeah,
1: ICU. Yeah, yep. yeah. And well, um, really, it's great you know, because they really, there. You know, she was like, "This is." <laughs> it was a funny story. The daughter said she had. I had worked with her daughter successfully on some issue, and she said, "Would you see my mom? She they won't release her from the hospital. She's on a breathing apparatus, and they won't release her until." She can breathe on her own. Then they'll send her to rehab." I said, okay. And I went in and I had to pretend I was just visiting. I couldn't uh, start yeah. her officially. And I went there. What the daughter hadn't told me was that she had a, her mom had a tracheotomy. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I couldn't have
0: breathe on her own through this yeah. tube in her throat. They're
1: passing notes back and forth to each oh. other. Oh, you know, so, it gets funnier and funnier, you know. But I ended up and we use metaphor a lot. We use story a lot. We, mm.
2: we
1: we partied with that a little bit, the idea of, you know, metaphor and stories as a teaching device. And I don't know where it came from, but I do trust my unconscious. And as I was working with her, I started talking to her about Houdini. I said, you know, Houdini used to lock get locked inside of a safe that was lowered into the water and the only way he could survive in there was by learning very carefully to monitor his breathing and breathe very effectively and I said and also you know he was an escape artist <laughs> and the whole idea was to get get her yeah. out of there could she escape from the hospital so that was fun Hey, um, just
0: for fun, I'm going to try this visual shift here. See if that? See what happens? Let me see if I can make this. Um, uh, anyway, keep keep talking. Let's see if it comes back to you.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. I'm big now. Now you're I, big. I have a, a screen behind me. I hope that that's all right.
0: Yeah. yeah you look fine.
1: Okay.
0: You look good. So, so we what? just wanted to see more of you.
1: What else would you like to know?
0: Well, I would like to know um, also how you got into using music for healing, because you and I both are, are musicians as well. And I, I've never used music per se as the central focus of the healing. When I've used music, it's usually been in the background, kind of like a, a, a wash of sound, like a, a, a what do they call it, just a acoustical wash. There's another word for it ambient sound Mm -hmm. just unobtrusive ambient sound just to sort of give a pillow to
1: you know it's 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 a very interesting thing because it's it's fraught with you know imposters and wannabes and 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 overnight sensations and it's it's the flavor of the month now it's Uh it's mushroom tremendously sound healing sound baths i was teaching uh up at menla a month ago for a year-long certification, where people get certified as a sound healer, and I'm on the faculty. I don't issue the certification. What, I don't, is, I don't.
0: what is Menla for the people that don't know? Menla
1: is a uh, run by uh, the the Tibet House, and it's a very large retreat center up in, outside of Phoenicia, New York. Uh, Robert
0: German. The,
1: Buddhist uh, flavored, but also you can rent it. So there's a a place called Sage Academy. For sound uh, healing, that I'm on the faculty of, and they do a a series of trainings that people come to on different—you know—one weekend on gongs, and one on crystal bowls, and one on tuning forks, and and people do this, and then at the end, they're issued a certification of of that they are now a sound healer. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I was being introduced, and the woman said, "Well, Peter's been doing this for how long?" And I said, "Well." When I started, that word wasn't around. Sound healing,
2: sound
1: mm-hmm. baths, that word wasn't around. We were just musicians who were, you know, interested in the meditational aspects. Mm-hmm. Of sound. You know that it was, uh, it was something that uh, was a way to change consciousness. As soon as you throw healing in, it gets complicated. Mm -hmm. right what Mm. is what what is healing what what, who who is the healer does anyone ever heal you know i mean benjamin franklin said the physician entertains and collects a fee god heals Hmm. (laughs)
2: benjamin franklin said that
1: yeah that's good someone else with the same name oh (laughs) yeah yeah so (laughs) yeah it's a (laughs) it's It's one of those things that doesn't matter who said it. I get it.
0: That yeah, no, it's true.
1: That's what we do. We entertain people. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. We, we do certain rituals. We do certain things. And then, you know, we give we them that, that space to heal themselves.
1: We from. encourage them. But as soon as, you know, I say, I am the healer, Yeah, yeah. problem. So, yeah. So, so the sound has a healing effect on people. And I've always known this since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Profoundly affected my mood, my emotions. Um, I had a little golden record when I was little. Well, we both had the Teddy Bears Picnic because we sang that together. We
0: sang it together, yes. But,
1: <laughs> I had, um, you know, um, a little golden record of Tubby the Tuba, and it was narrated by Danny the K. And it was a sad story about Tubby. He couldn't you know, all they ever let him do was oompa, oompa. He wasn't allowed to play in the orchestra, but then they, some kind conductor said, Come on, Toby, you can play. And it's a piece of music. I used to sit there and sob <laughs> as a six year old, as an eight year old, it just was like the music, the story, but also the music was that it was so wistful and melancholic. Yeah, you know, and so we we all have this. Uh, we sort of take it for granted that couples will, will say, "Oh, there's our song on the radio." Oh yeah. Right? So
0: an if I may interrupt you. So you were talking earlier today about earlier in the interview about anchors. Anchor. Yeah. So that's the same thing, isn't it? It's a yeah. music. That's our song is an anchor for us, time and a state and a feeling.
1: Right. Right. It right. is. It is that, and and so. As I continued my journey through my teen years and discovered various things like African drumming, mm-hmm. and I heard it, and nobody was—I mean, it was on the radio in the fifties—and I heard this, and there was an immediate, you well, know, maybe it's past life stuff—I don't know—but it, it, I didn't have anybody else in the Bronx in 1958 or nine who was interested in
0: Baba Olatunji, but I was Baba no, Olatunji back in the fifties. Yes, yes, Korea. I don't, I think I told you this, but the first time I ever did a firewalk with Tony Robbins yeah. in 1985, um, it was it was fun, it was going along, but then when we went downstairs, because there's was at the Manhattan Center on 34th Street between uh, 8th and 9th Avenues. So we went down the stairs to to do this, you could smell the smoke uh, from coming in. Um, but Baba Ola Tunji was there with several of his musicians and the sound was incredible. You know, yeah. the, Boom! Just, just massive, loud, yeah. rhythmic
1: drums. And the rhythm and the volume and the feeling ah, of it is very man. powerful. No, there was a radio station in New York City, maybe it was a little bit later, it might have been in 60, 61, whenever Drums of Passion had come out, the uh-huh. recording he made. God, when I didn't know it was that long there, ago. There was a disc jockey named Murray the King. Right? Know, Murray man. the K used to play like Obduwop and the coasters and the platters and yeah, yeah. Uh, and he got a hold of this record and he played little excerpts of it in between you know, the popular music, the rock and roll. And I heard that and I was like, "That's what I want. Wow. Well, I discovered that early. And then I also WqXR, which was the radio station of the New York Times, sure. which my got on classical, all the time, music. classical music, mostly, almost exclusively classical music. But on Sundays, again, this was like 60, 61. I was like 14 years old. They wow. had a show of North Indian classical music for an hour
0: or two. North Indian classical music.
1: Yeah, Shankar. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Ravas. And this was before George Harrison had made it popular. And again, nobody that I knew was knew what that was, but I used to listen to it and be fascinated by it. Wow. Wow. Years later, you know, I'm following all these different types of music and the the Buddhist, Tibetan Buddhist chanting that I discovered, which was so enthralling and hypnotic. And then I I discovered what the unifying thread was, was that they actually all were hypnotic. Tell
0: me me more.
1: And learned about hypnosis. I'm like, oh, that's the common thread, all of these sounds, the African drumming, yeah. the Indian ragas, yeah. Tibetan Buddhist chanting, later the sound of the Tibetan singing bowls, Go on. put me into a hypnotic state.
0: What? How specifically did they do that?
1: How specifically? Um, <laughs> <laughs> doing, I'm... I'm I, I'm trying to figure out what the best answer to that is. I could give a number of answers, but I'm, I, how, the how of it I only understood later on. I first I just understood that they did, and then I began mm-hmm. researching what what's going on with these sounds. What is the and I, I you know I have this uh, acronym in my book, which is a useful little collection of letters. Just mm-hmm. because I'm trying to train people. In hypnosis, about why sound is so useful as as a way of inducing and sustaining, as well as supporting trance. Right. So I have this acronym FACE, and it, it's F A C E. Yeah. Simple. The F stands for fixation of attention, because almost every induction employs some form of fixation of attention. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Look so at the spinning wheel. The spinning the wheel thing, yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, or, as uh, Erickson would talk about, this ocular fix, ocular fix, you know, or look deeply into my eyes or, you know, anything. Right. Or, or,
0: in Erickson's case, also the the fixation of attention through the story. Through the story.
1: Yeah.
0: The right? yeah. the touch. Yeah. Right. So, what's, what's A stand for in face?
1: Anchoring, which we already talked about, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the uh, assigning consciously or unconsciously of a particular stimulus with a state. Okay. I mean, there are many definitions, but that's the one that I'm, I'm using. I, right? like I like it. It's good. C st- stands for confusion, and I wouldn't like to say too much more about that right now because it might get too confusing, <laughs> only to say that it is uh, a stopping of uh, the rational mind in order for creative solutions to come in. Great. And so confusion, Erickson said, is a blessed state. And certain sounds can be very confusing and disorienting. Yeah. I, I do overtone singing. Someone's never heard it before. They're like, what, what is that sound? Right. It's, it's, it's an interrupt of, of their normal patterns. And the E, which maybe is the most essential part of this, is for entrainment.
0: Entrainment.
1: Entrainment is a principle in physics that says that any two objects that are um, oscillating or vibrating close to the same frequency will tend to lock step. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes called the frequency following effect. Huh. And it is demonstrated by various examples. I usually talk about fireflies a bunch of swarm of them that are blinking asynchronously. And then they'll come closer together and they'll start to blink in sync.
0: Oh, wow, cool. Uh, And I think they actually did that with metronomes, didn't they?
1: Oh, this is how it was discovered was there was a Dutch scientist named Christian Huygens. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. Who had a bunch of metronome clocks on a wall uh where he goes. And they were all swinging and he left. For a while they were out of sync and he came back a couple hours later and they were all, swimming, all swinging
0: at the same time sink. yeah so,
1: you know there's there's theories that it has to do maybe with the efficiency of energy in the universe the conservation of energy It to move together than separately right yeah. now we know this in a more subtle way when we work with establishing rapport with anyone with a client, with a business uh, dealing. You want to be in rapport. You want to be in sync with the person. right? They lean forward, you lean forward. They tilt their head this way, you tilt their head, your head that way. They use a phrase, you use the phrase several times this weekend, bandwidth. So I deliberately used it in talking to you earlier today. So we we store these (laughs) things. (laughs) I said, you dog you. No, no, it, it's not even a conscious thing. It's best when it's un, not conscious. Hmm. It's best when it's very organic and natural. Yeah. Otherwise, the person's going like, "What are you making a monkey out of me? You're just copying me." Uh, but oh, that's
0: really true. Really yeah. true.
1: So to be yeah, in rapport is sure. a very natural thing, and I, I sometimes refer to it as like dancing. Yes. And you're that's dancing good. with a pas de do or you're dancing with a partner, and how do you learn to move together? Um, what is the mystery of George Leonard? There's a wonderful book called The, uh, the Silent Pulse. Uh, it's been out for a really long time, this book, The Silent Pulse, George Leonard. And he, he writes about a conductor and an orchestra, that the whole orchestra is entrained. And the conductor is ostensibly leading. Hmm. It's not really. I mean, it, there, there's an entrainment that happens after a while. So everybody's moving together, playing together. So if a, and this goes to then the basic rhythms of life, heart rate, respiration, pulse, um, brainwave frequencies. We're not aware of these consciously most of the time, but they have a great deal to do with determining our state of consciousness, our emotional state, right? Right.
0: So, so let me just think if this is if i'm taking this face thing back to how you said that all of those musics were hip hypnosis inducing yes um i'm thinking of course there's there's a fascination so there's a fixation of attention on the music Right. there's a anchoring to it because oh this is the time i'm listening to music maybe it's wqxr is on or it's, it's bedtime or it's you know, Murray the K's show as so you're listening because exactly. there's the anchor to it. There's confusion because you know it's strange, it's different. Bob Olatunji in 1956 or whatever it was, you said it's different. It's different, you know, it was different, different for me in 1985. Yeah, it's different, and yet for me, it was very familiar. Yeah, and then there's an entrainment to it because there is a steadiness to the rhythm in all those musics, so
1: absolutely, just, absolutely, and, and I think. You know, um, I worked with um, studying with 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 people who use shamanic journey,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, I was involved right at the same time that I was studying learning hypnosis from Richard Darrow, 88-89. I was invited by a friend who was studying with Michael Harner, the founder of the, the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, huh. and, and he was learning about this technique of journey, where you play a drum and people go traveling to find their spirit guide yeah. and I'm, uh, familiar like, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm familiar yeah yeah yeah
1: and and I was invited into this group and we had these experiences and I'm thinking oh, I was really kind of like a group hypnosis I mean it's not all that different it's slightly different cultural context exactly. but instead of someone talking someone's drumming all
0: right
1: and then, being a curious kind of guy, I thought, "Well, I'm working in Richard's office. We have these alpha theta brainwave machines that are sending pulse light and sound in the alpha and theta frequencies to entrain the brain. I wonder if." And I took a frame drum and I started playing it at the rhythm that seemed about what we would listen to to journey. And I had my wristwatch and I timed it for a minute, and it was 280 beats. Wow. In a minute. And if you divide that by 60 that's about four and a half beats, which is right in the very low theta.
0: So it's four and a half beats per second. Four
1: and a half beats per second.
0: Wow, you have a good good wrist there to be drumming that fast.
1: A lot of practice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's really that's a, that's a fast. And,
1: and it was like aha. So could these old shamans intuitively? They didn't have EEGs or cylinders. But yeah. intuitively have known that certain rhythms induce certain help bands. the brain go into that state. Um, yeah. Then African drumming, where you're using two hands, African, uh, 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 what do they call uh, uh Afro-Cuban, Latin drumming, huh. fingers, jimbees, where you're using two hands is faster. And that's more probably in the alpha rhythms. Hmm. So you Listening to Baba Olatunji or African drumming, it'll bring you if you don't resist, if you go along with it, easily into an alpha state.
0: Right.
1: So there, these these are the kind of things that it took me years to kind of think about this and put together. I knew I recognized the phenomenon first, right. and then I was like, okay, so what's going on there?
0: So we're going to have to begin to wrap up soon. I know that we both have to. Yeah, yeah.
1: Two minutes to go before I sleep.
0: <laughs> so, um, for the people who are listening and they're going like, "Well, that's that's really interesting." And how do I use that for myself? How can people use this awareness that those musics create trance um, in change work, in a coaching practice, or a hypnosis or therapy therapy practice?
1: Uh, well, like Richard said, what would I use this for? Uh, and when I said that, and you said anything you want, uh. I mean, the possibilities are endless. I I teach, I I do it with my clients. They come to me for hypnosis, and they're expecting the standard thing, more or less. You know, I will talk to them. I'll put them in a chair. Maybe I'll have them stare at the wall or at my finger, and I'll talk to them. And mm-hmm. and I do do that. But I'll also say sometimes. You know, I have this feeling that it might be helpful to support you if I played the drum uh, like a slow, like I was doing for a while during your uh, piece this weekend, mm-hmm. a, heart, a heartbeat drum.
0: That's it, yeah.
1: Right? That's yeah. different than the shamanic. But again, that's an entrainment to a regular pattern that's very recognizable. People don't even know it. But if you hear the dub dub that's the heart. So I will use that, or I'll use tuning forks. Which I haven't talked about too much as another tool to in in, in and and the, and people say that was great. Uh how could I do that? And I said, Well, it's very easy. I I, I haven't sell tuning forks as well. <laughs> and you can buy a set, you know, and take it home and just tune yourself every morning. The the w- my go-to for everyone is voice. Is voice. Voice, because voice is the original instrument. It's, mm. that we're all born with some people say well I, I don't know how to drum or you know i don't play an instrument you play all these instruments they say so in africa and else and people have been traumatized you know by well-intentioned um chorus teachers i i you know <laughs> i had this one woman who said they told me in junior high school just move your lips <laughs> <laughs> and can you imagine that person now trying to sing and having that yeah. that, that negative imprint? So, yeah, I can, yeah. I can well imagine. Actually, uh, well, we want to reverse these negative, you know, self-limiting hypnotic suggestions that were made, right? Yeah. That yeah. people unconsciously took in. And I say in Africa they have a proverb: if you can walk, you can dance; if you can talk, you can sing. It's yeah. the birthright. Open your mouth and just make a noise. Yeah, you know, don't worry about like they say, dance like no one's watching, sing like no one's listening. Yeah, go out in the woods and holler. Yeah, free your voice. Beautiful. Unless the voice is breath made audible. If you yeah. do it with the voice and do extended singing, that, they don't have to come to me. They can do
0: that on their own. Sure,
1: they will change their state.
0: Is there any particular vowel that you would like chant or something like that? So that would be
1: uh, ah ah ah. is always a good one. Ah. ah, yeah. The sound ah in many systems is is placed in the heart. So you know you can put your hand over your heart and you just open your mouth and you go and you take a breath and you don't think about what note you're singing or what uh, what pleasing anyone. You're just like a sigh. Yeah. Like, Ah, nice. Yeah, and just feel what that ah sound feels like. Ah. ah. And then, if you want to extend it a little bit, you can go
0: ah. All right. And suddenly, you've made it into a note, and suddenly, you're singing. Yeah, singing. You know, it's kind of interesting. If I might interrupt you, I'm sorry that I interrupted. You. you know, children all over the world somehow have the same tune. I don't know if it's genetic or what, but they all go na 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 na. na. Yeah, right? and that's a that's there, a there are
1: Studies
0: sorry? that have
1: been done on uh, intervals that show up around the world in different cultures in lullabies that uh-huh. are the same intervals, whether you're in Tasmania. Yeah. Or in 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 Mongolia or whatever it doesn't matter there's certain uh, yeah. Yeah. you know it's like oh I'm, I'm being rocked to sleep right. so inflections that are some, somewhere maybe archetypally stored in the brain yeah.
0: they certainly seem to be absolutely yeah
1: so uh, is this a good stopping place
0: I think it is a good stopping place because you got to go
1: Thank you for having me on the, on the show. Uh, can I tell people how to reach me?
0: Oh, I would be delighted if you told people uh, how to reach you. So,
1: so um, I have a website, and uh, that's probably the best way through it. It's called soundsforhealing.com.
0: Soundsforhealing.com.
1: One word. And, uh, you know, through there it can say, you know, it gives my phone number and email, and you can contact me. And I, I am... Happy to, to work with anybody on anything.
0: Fantastic. And we will also, of course, have that printed on the uh, description for this podcast as well. So it would be very easy for people right. to find. Peter Plum to Woodstock. Peter Plum. Woodstock. Yes. Hey, do you ever do one of those drum circles in Woodstock? The, the famous drum circle? I
1: was doing drum circles before they had that. Before work. they had drum circles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've done drum circles. <laughs> yeah, thank you again.
2: All right.
1: Thank you so much. Be
0: um, well. This has been the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us, each and every one of us, at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Thanks.